Hello, Ernest. Hello, Ernest. Hey, so we had a week off, but I'm very excited to talk with you this week. In fact, I think this is a big enough deal that maybe this is now season two. Mm -hmm. uh, because yeah. you have finally pub published an article. And do we want to keep our clean rating, or do you want to go ahead and uh, use the official title, and we can mark this episode as explicit? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so we'll go with the explicit episode for this one. I've not used that checkbox before, so that's exciting. So, tell us about the article. Well, I um, came up around five in the morning last week, uh, and came about um, after getting all these. Uh, signals and, and news items that uh, uh, there was a podcast about um, um, a scientific uh, a research vessel right, full of uh, scientists, you know, educated people, uh, and maybe some uh, uh, crew, uh, that they had a, a discussion that uh, they talked about uh, a dress code. And even though, uh, you know, there were a lot of men in like uh, a few, but, you know, they gave this dress code to everybody. But uh, the this dress code, you know, uh, it starts on just uh, women, uh, you know, like don't wear tight, don't wear tights, you know, make sure that you're not, uh, um, revealing uh, you know make sure that you know you don't display too much breasts and, and things like that um, and uh, first as a woman uh, they uh, thought they said that you know they felt offended like why why do they need a dress code but the most offensive thing is that they um, uh, qualified it as a, a safety issue so you know uh, not being able to dr to dress the way you want, you know, it's not like, you know, just uh, uh, especially women in America, they like to wear those uh, uh, leggings, right? That's that's the uh, the fashion now. But so they cannot wear those because of a safety issue. The safety issue being a bunch of men that uh, uh, if they if the women dress to reveal it, they might be inviting uh, harassment rape or even worse so as a man i, I would if i was a scientist in that vessel i would also feel, uh insulted and and you know being treated as uh, some crazed uh, uh male just with a hard on just looking for somebody to rape and, and, and you know, attack or just to harass uh and for that you know that was one signal there are many uh there was the uh with uh, just, uh, with a judge uh, that he wants to put in the Supreme Court, and he is being so transparent that he wants uh, to have nine justices so that he can appeal to the Supreme Court if the election doesn't go his way. He is super transparent. He has said, if I don't win, there's a problem with the election. 
So uh, if that's not, you know, I'm a, I wanna, I, I'm a wannabe autocrat. I wanna be a king, and he wants to ignore the the votes of the people. He just he wants to just uh, uh, if the votes are not looking our way in the first day of the uh, the election, we're gonna scrap them and just you know make sure that the uh, legislators of the states the you know battleground states just say okay we're gonna uh the vote is fraudulent we're gonna just up you know appoint our electors and you know give our uh, electors to trump and that is just very problematic for me you know people have uh, died for these the system that we have which is representative, pseudo-democratic, uh, but people have died for this country, and he is just, you know, trying to destroy everything that we have built, that, you know, uh, a lot of people have built, have given their lives for. Uh, also, you know, the people imposing their will on a woman's right to choose what to do with her own body. That is also something that created me. So all those things together, as I was working late in the night, uh, you know, I just started writing in uh, first in Facebook, then I transferred it to, uh, or you know, hosted it in, in Medium. This short article, you know, uh, it, it started actually started with me trying to uh, criticize uh, Trump. So I said. Um, Motherfucker wants to uh, in in our rights, our freedoms, and then I thought about it. I was like, what is this word, motherfucker? First, you know, it it, it talks about a, a mother, and it talks about uh, a fucker. So, a person who uh, engages in in fucking mothers, you know that. Yeah, we have so many of those. We have just, 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 we have so we are, just, just so we are clear on the origin of the term and why it's an insult, mm-hmm. I believe the term was referring to incest. That's why it's such a deadly insult. <laughs> well, nice detail, but I didn't, I wasn't aware of you, that. You were aware of that at the time, so you decided yeah. to go with that. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, I, I was not aware of it. I mean, just, just the, the two words together. Uh, and I was also thinking that most insults in at least in American society, but also in, in Latin in Hispanic societies, uh, are based on women. You know, uh, they have you know they have bitch, we have cunt, we have all those insults that uh, even though some people use them on men too, but they are based. There's always uh, center around uh, females, around women. And like, right. why is that? The worst insult is not to insult a man, but to insult his mother, for example. Yes. Um, but like, also, yeah. yeah, also we saw that in the, with AOC uh, a few months ago in her uh, uh, you know, encounter with some Republican uh, congressperson that, uh, you know, he, he, she was just walking uh you know, in the halls of Congress, and this guy, uh, you know, they cross paths, 
he told her, hey, I don't like what you're doing. You're, you know, you're in the wrong. And she's like, oh, okay, whatever. But then as he was walking away, he called, he said, crazy bitch or something like that. Yeah. Uh, right? So he's not, if he was a man, if, if she had been a man with whom he had disagreements, he wouldn't have used that term. He used it just because she's a, a woman. Is there mm-hmm. any equivalent term in English for a man anymore? There used to be equally deadly insults for men that referred directly to them. Is there even an equivalent that he could have used? For a man? Other than perhaps the, yeah, to, to insult a man at that level, except perhaps the, the M word that you referenced in your title. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you also... He I'm asking, could he have? Could he have used that with her? You said or with... if he was a man, he wouldn't have said that. Or you said if he used the equivalent term for a man, what would that have been? Yeah, uh, I guess. Lost that ability. Mm-hmm. It's a. Uh, 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 there was an episode years ago with uh, who was it? Uh, I think uh, yes, uh, Cheney. He insulted some guy in the Senate. I think. What did he say? I think uh, I think it, you know the the term the fuck was part of it. I think um, I need to. I think I wrote an article about that myself uh, years ago. Uh, but it involved. But yeah, I could. I could yeah, it, it's just an interesting fact is that the insults for men have either apparently been obsoleted, or they're used so often that they've kind of lost their sting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting that there is sort of an asymmetry uh, in cultural evolution. But anyway, regardless, keep going. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, was, I started using the term to qualify um, uh, uh, Trump's um, uh, actions. And yeah, I started, started, you know, a rant against Trump, mm-hmm. and then it turned into something else. Yeah, because as as I was writing, like, okay, why this term bad? You know, I myself want to aspire to be a, a motherfucker. I aspire to do that. I aspire to be able to uh, satisfy uh, uh, the woman that I chose to be with. Um, and you have uh, um, uh, this, a mother has earned the right to, to be satisfied, you know, um, not just to make babies, but to actually receive pleasure. And I took it, you know, in that regard. Hey, we have to train people should be knowledgeable about the vagina and its and its many uh, treasures uh, that when discovered, you know, with the uh, to a woman, you know, uh, we have to be cognizant uh, that you know you just don't. To the wham bam, thank you, ma'am. No, you have to like, and even you know, especially when I go see people in it's woman becomes more her body becomes more receptive to sperm. If there's foreplay and then there's this, uh, uh, you know, romantic thing because women are a man is easy to. Uh, get excited and to finish. You know, it's very, for the most part, you know, not all men. 
know, a man is, is, is very obvious when he has when he is finished, when he's done. A woman, it's more difficult and it takes more work to forget to reach that point. So we have to be uh, to be better motherfuckers. We have, you know, and, and, and this implies it's not just a men female thing. You know, there's, uh, you know, same couples. Although I wasn't thinking about two men. I was thinking mostly like uh, two women or whatever, or any variation there. But I guess, uh, yeah. Well, I, anyway, I didn't touch on the men-to-men. Just like, uh, just female-male and female-female, maybe. So, in any way, I went into that rant, you know, just trying to, you know, in a funny way, you know, not, uh, I wasn't, I didn't, even though I was serious, I was, actually touching on a serious subject, I wanted to uh, not make it funny, but make it, you know, like more honest and, and uh, a yeah, little... It's wrong. Yeah, it's, it's very right, so wrong. Let me, let me just to paraphrase things, so partly your, your rant was a uh, semi-jocular celebration of sexuality and sex for pleasure and sex for relationship building against perhaps a perceived, there certainly was a belief in many parts of the world, especially in Western Christendom, uh, that sex was only for procreation and that it was sort of immoral for women to take pleasure in sex. That was kind of the thing you were reacting against, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that part of the motivation? Yes, that's part of the, okay. that's like the, the first part of the article. Then okay. the second part is my, um, rant against the the belief of you know in a in a god you know i'm not a believer in that and and so when that's funny because i remember you were okay with me praying in our very first episode so i assumed you were Mm -hmm. at least comfortable with that worldview Mm -hmm. has that changed or did i misinterpret your acquiescence no it's that uh uh, even though i'm not a believer i believe that uh you know we, we are part of the universe and the universe, uh, you know, could be considered or be thought of as God, as God. you know, the, we emanated from the universe. You know, if we wasn't, if, we, if the universe didn't exist, then we wouldn't exist. Right, so, so there's that, something that existed before we did, and that's kind of the label that you're comfortable using with the term God. Mm-hmm, and so well, you, you can be, yeah. So somehow so can be, yeah. in this passage you weren't you were rea- you were writing against the word. So I assume that the, the I was questioning whether your attitude shifted or whether the context shifted. No, the context. My attitude is not changed. I'm a spiritual person. You know, I like to uh, discuss subjects of philosophy, science, society, you know, humanity, all of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can and, and you can do that. Um, Without being, without having a belief in a deity, so and this is this emanated actually from, uh, yeah, we discussed actually the, the topic that we were we were going to touch on last week was how to uh, make a religion that is not based on a deity, like people right, need and community. that depends enormously on what you mean by the words religion and deity, which we can get into perhaps later. But I just want yeah. to say is that, but but in this case you very explicitly called out people who believe in God. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. were there, therefore you were using a different, I assume you're using a different definition 
than the one you were comfortable with me using in our first episode. Correct. And obviously you have uh, something very specific in mind that you were reacting against. Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, uh, when it comes, you know, there's also the issue of being respectful of others' beliefs, right? Uh, I wasn't going to say, no, don't pray for me. I don't need that. I wasn't going to say that. Uh, okay. And I, and I did listen to, you know, to the, the prayer that you uh, said, and, you know, I found it great. And, you know, there's, uh, there's power in positive, positivity. You know, if you believe what you're working on is good, and if you put effort in it, you can get make it happen. Also, if you put faith in something external, then that itself is going to help for you to be successful. You know, you, we uh, people pray, and then they uh, say, that, okay, oh, God answered my prayers, and that's why we, uh, you know, were successful. Or if you fail, people uh, say, uh, oh, well, maybe it's God uh, told you that it's, this is the wrong uh, approach or, or the wrong goal. So, uh, yeah, there's this thing that God can never, ever be wrong, right? So no matter what happens, it's either God's choice to be good or God's choice not to intervene. Uh, so, you know, it's like uh, it's like fake science. You know, when you have a fake science, uh, a false theory, no matter what you do, uh, if the theory is proven wrong, then the, they will modify the theory so that it's not wrong anymore. They will add caveats and all kinds of things to, um, so that it doesn't die. If we have an example, you know, that people that are into science find uh, uh, recognize is the string theory. String theory is a theory that has lived for years and that, you know, the more people think about it, the more caveats they find um, to make it to kind of keep on uh, uh, living it. You Just know. so I'm clear, you're explicitly labeling string theory as fake science? Uh, nothing, but it's like it's one of those things that yeah. people, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, views on it, and when people cannot, when people come up with ways to disprove it, then the people behind it they find, oh yeah, so we need to uh, add this caveat to it. Uh, because it's like those theories themselves become someone's deity. You know, like, oh, yes, string theory is the theory because I believe in it. And we have to make, be sure that, you know, it's, it's, it stays uh, feasible and, and and that it works uh, because we can't really prove it. So it's like, yeah, it's like a deity that people uh, justify. Uh, right. So just one clear. <laughs> okay. So your point is, uh, we're a little bit off topic here, but your point is, mm -hmm. is that, um, so there's lots of different things going on with religion and deity and science and how we define those terms. I think we would both agree that good faith makes concrete predictions and then revises its beliefs based on the results of those predictions. Right, and bad faith is you make predictions and then 
if your predictions are false, you just wave them away and never re-examine your beliefs or the predictions. Is that a fair distinction? That's that would be fake science. Well, but it's in between. That's why I think you know, fake science I say is bad faith, in the sense mm -hmm. that there is no feedback loop. Uh -huh. Right. Whereas yes. uh, healthy science is a meaningful feedback loop, where you make concrete predictions, and as you observe the results, you adapt your beliefs. So another way to say about it is adaptive versus maladaptive. An adaptive system incorporates new information uh, in order to update the model. Mm -hmm. A maladaptive system has what's called a religious attachment to the model, and they cling to that model even, in, uh, and they will deliberately discard information that threatens the model. Mm -hmm. Right. So adaptive versus maladaptive, good faith versus bad faith. That, those are what I find as the useful categories for thinking about things like science and religion and so forth. Okay, but so you you, you uh, so you mentioned that in my personal case, in that context, you found my use of God inoffensive and potentially um, having some positive affect, but in general you find the idea of God, specifically the sort of, uh, at least, well, you'll have to define exactly what you mean by that, but you find it's highly problematic. And it is, yes, it is highly, yes, and, and it, is, uh, it is used to justify all kinds of things. It has been used, you know, in the past with, to kill people. So right. um, it's actually been used to uh, justify the crusades, to justify wish burning, but it's also been used to justify abolition, the elimination of the slave trade, uh, child labor, um, hospitals. So, you know, there's lots of things that belief in God has been used to justify. And if we're going to include all the horrible things in the name of God, which is perfectly fair and legitimate, it's probably also fair, in the interest of including all the evidence, to include all the positive things that were justified by a belief in God, too. Mm -hmm. Including yes, a good chunk of the founding of this country, as we discussed before. Mm -hmm. Right, so, okay, and, so yeah, that's the data set we're working with. Um, but in particular, it seems like what I'm hearing you say is that sort of the denigration of women and the election of Trump, you feel is strongly correlated with a belief in God. And in fact, the worst kind of belief in God and that was specifically the thing you were attacking in your post. Is that a fair summary? Yes. And, um, and not just strongly correlated, but causally correlated, more importantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. To clear, yes. Uh, we see, uh, it is obvious to anybody who can see and has, and has a brain that Trump uh, is not a religious person. He is not... He has not read the Bible. I, I think that he has not okay, well, read. Well, 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 let's, yeah, let's, 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 uh, it's worth distinguishing several different flavors of the term. But uh -huh. it is safe to say that um, Trump does not display most of the typical markers of what one would consider a good Christian. <clears throat> right? He doesn't seem to be particularly devout. He doesn't seem to be particularly knowledgeable of scripture. 
who doesn't particularly seem to be concerned with displaying Christian character. Which raises a really interesting question, which markers do religious people see that have made them feel an affinity to Trump? But we can save that discussion for later. Uh, we can, you know, there's a short version. They want, uh, uh, even though they hate him, even though he, he's a terrible role model for children, they justify voting for him because of uh, what he's trying to do, or what he has done. You know, well, so let's, let's, let's probably, it's probably worth distinguishing between two types of Trump supporters, mm-hmm. uh, Christian Trump supporters. There's the, um, let's call it the our bastard school. Yes, Trump is a jerk, but he's our jerk. Mm. Okay, and they hold their nose and they vote for Trump because it's better than the alternative. Okay, that's one camp. There's a second camp who actually, we'll call them the true believers. They actually believe that he is God's anointed, uh, sent to America in this hour of our need to uh, restore America to the path of greatness. And there are people who believe like that. And it's worth understanding uh, those two categories. But um, continue. Yes. The, so both are obviously the, problematic from the perspective that Trump is a serious problem. Yeah, the fact that he can use that to justify his actions, the fact that he can uh, tell people, you know, uh, vote for me and I will give you more justices and more judges, and that's enough for people to ignore his autocratic tendencies. Uh, to me, that's it's terrible. Like, uh, people are willing to have an autocrat just because he says... Uh, he can control. Okay, I, I know. Sorry, there, there's two things that are going on here. One is having a jerk, which is one thing that you know. You, it, it, but the other thing is that when you say an autocrat, um, could you define autocrat more precisely? Someone who wants complete power to do anything that uh, uh, that person wants to do, and has no, uh, you know, a Anything that's good is because he did it. Everything that's bad is because somebody else messed up. Right. Okay. Uh, so, but let me let, let me let me just make sure we we can uh, just to have some examples of what you consider autocratic behavior. I don't think Trump has ever said, or even implied, that he wants to abolish the Constitution and set himself up as the sole authority over all the land. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but when he has submitted actions to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court has rendered a judgment, like in the case of the Muslim immigrants. He has not said, well, screw the Supreme Court. I can do whatever I want. We're going to have a military takeover. Right? So uh, I agree that Trump has an enormous autocratic tendency. But by your strict definition, I don't think he's an autocrat because he hasn't tried to abolish all norms. This is every time he bumps into a norm that frustrates his will, he's always trying to find uh, conniving ways to accomplish what he wants anyway, mm-hmm. right? Now, yes. by that same definition, do you consider Barack Obama and FDR autocrats? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the executive they have the responsibility uh, manage uh, a lot of countries. That's the money that that's. So it is their 
sensitivity to you know some decisions that um, people might not might not agree with. For example, Obamacare. For example, the uh, yeah, specifically what I'm referring to Obama, just so to avoid uh, digression, is that he grammatically expanded the use of executive privilege in order to enact by executive decree things he could not accomplish through the Republican Congress. Mm-hmm. Right? And so right. it was a it was a thing that Republicans decried and Democrats defended when Obama did it. Mm-hmm. But then when Trump used those expanded ex- executive privileges, it became a thing that uh, Republicans defended and Democrats decried. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's worthwhile to be precise, right? So I think it's entirely fair to say that Trump has shown an extraordinary level of willingness to flaunt social norms in order to expand executive power. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is hardly unique in his willingness to bend norms to increase executive power. And so, uh, and, and so it's worth saying that so the, the so that's why I'm saying that using the label autocrat feels imprecise. Okay, yeah, let's call it autocrat wannabe. Um, or... Yeah, so he certainly seems to have extreme autocratic tendencies. No question about that. Um, as opposed to the mild autocratic tendencies, which seems to be normal for a president, uh, at least since uh, since Teddy Roosevelt. Um, but okay, so. But I think there's an important distinction, and I want you to be clear on yourself. How much of your discomfort with Trump is due to his autocratic tendencies, or due to his fact that he's using his autocratic tendencies to impose values that you disagree with? Uh, well, uh, when it comes to this, you know, I not actually got garbled there. Can you hear me now? Okay, I'm still having trouble hearing you, unfortunately. I'm catching kind of every other word. Okay, can you... Uh, is it better now? Yeah, this is better now. Thank you. Yeah. So my question was, what portion of your discomfort with Trump is due in the abstract to his autocratic tendencies, and how much of it is due to the fact that he is using those tendencies uh, in a way you disagree with? To support uh, different, val- different values. Yes, uh, I. I guess you could have a third category where he's using auto- his autocratic abilities in hypocrisy, hypocritically. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes, he claims to be uh, for the common person, right? But you know, he wouldn't be caught dead with them, other than um, his rallies. Uh, because, you know, according to him... Well, regardless, I mean, uh, I think you'll have a difficult time uh, uh, 
making the case that um, it, it, it's hard to find a president that you can make a credible case they were not a hypocrite in many of those same ways. I don't think, I suspect that that's, I mean, that's a stick you can, any stick is good enough to beat them with. It doesn't mm. seem particularly, I mean, it's more, it's not, there's lots of reasons to hate Trump. No questioning about that. Lots of valid mm -hmm. reasons to hate Trump. No question about that. Mm -hmm. The question is, the, from a point of view of self-honesty, how much of your hatred of Trump's autocracy is the fact that he uses it or, that he's, or, or the fact that he uses it to do things you disapprove of? I, it has to be both. Uh, so 50-50. Second? So 50-50. Yes, yes. Uh, were you similarly disturbed when you, I mean, did you even notice, uh, or were you kind of politically awoke at the time, to the ways that, you know, Barack Obama was extending executive privilege? Or when you well, read about what Lincoln did and what um, Kennedy did in expanding federal power? Or did mm -hmm. you think, well, in this case, that was actually a good and justified thing? Yes, like sending uh, the federal guard into Arkansas. Like, like what? Sending the uh, yes during the civil rights movement, mm -hmm. in order to win the war in court, in an unprecedented expansion of judicial power, ordered the desegregation of schools, and then the president sent for uh, federal troops to enforce that court order mm -hmm. uh, in a way that violated many existing norms of custodial behavior. Did you when you when you learned about that? I don't, I don't know if you knew about this. Mm -hmm. you grew up in the U.S. But now that you learned about it, would you say, "Oh my gosh, that was horribly autocratic and expansionist," or, "Well, under the circumstances, uh, I think that was a justified act." I, uh, you know, for all those presidents uh, except Trump, I, uh, um, you can see uh, that they uh, actually. See themselves as doing good. Uh, Obama, when he okay, so slow down. So you believe that Trump in no way sees himself as doing good? Correct. Uh, the the only good that he can do is what he can do to enrich himself or get more power. I that's the only value that I. Can so that's see. your belief, right? Because yes. the yes. funny yes. thing is. So let me just because when I I remember in the run up to Trump's election, all my friends on the right and many on the left, not I say all, most of my friends on the actually all my friends on the right were of the belief that once he got into the presidential position, he would uh, swing to the middle. Some people were hoping for it, some people were afraid of it, but they were all convinced that like every other presidential candidate before him, that Trump would swing to the middle in order to give himself more leverage to be more popular and to be more effective in achieving his political goals. Mm -hmm. And I think one has to give him credit that he did not do that. That he, did, he apparently found a set of values, whether he believes them sincerely or not, I don't know how you can tell, but that he decided that this was the uh, set of principles that he was going to live by, and he has been remarkably consistent with them, to the point of flaunting almost every other principle. <laughs> but he has been remarkably consistent, and I think it is unfair 
to say that he is merely politically opportunistic. Um, if, if, or if he isn't opportunistic, he is a higher than Clinton-level political strategist in terms of deciding that getting 60% of the country to despise him and uh, is actually a good political strategy and will pay off for it. If his sole goal is to... Yeah, so I think it is... And I, guess, I think it's also a fair point to say no one actually knows what Trump himself believes. Possibly not even Trump. And to say your whole argument for despising him is, well, I know that he can't believe this seems um, unjustified. Well, seems, well, I mean, there's lots of better reasons to hate Trump than your sincere belief that he is not sincere. Mm -hmm. And and it extends to uh, you know it is it's surprising to me that a whole political party can change uh, its values or you know to please Trump. You know we can see that in the with the, ju with the justice. Well, every you know. every every political party. Here I think this is an important fact that you seem to not realize. So I should be explicit about this. Mm -hmm. Okay, the way political parties work is they find a social movement and they get in front of it. That is every, and every political party, at the end of the day, exists, just like every economic system or social system or political system. Uh, this is the iron law of bureaucracy. Um, have we discussed that on this podcast? It's come up no. on the other ones. Okay, so Purnell coined, uh, Jerry Purnell, the science fiction author, uh, has very strong views on human society. Uh, he coined something he called the iron law of bureaucracy. And what it says is in every organization, there's two kinds of people. There's people who care about the, the mission of the organization and people who care about the perpetuation of the organization. And in every organization, the second group ends up taking control of the organization, mm -hmm. which means that the mission is fungible. They're happy to sacrifice the mission of the organization and change its values in order to ensure the survival of the organization and more importantly, perpetuating the power structures that it contains. And you know, when Trump won the Republican nomination, um, you know, there are some courageous Republicans who've done the Lincoln Project and things like this, but from that point on, most of them made a rational calculation um, a few of them may have been a principal one, it's hard to say. Based on the statistics, most of them made a rational calculation that they were better off riding on Trump's coattails than violently opposing him. And so the other thing we're thinking about is that this is actually how I explain Trump's popularity, is that since the 1980s, in the formation of the Memorial Majority, and uh, Jerry Falwell, a fascinating human being, deeply flawed, but also incredibly visionary, and in some senses, self-sacrificial. Mm -hmm. um, they, they, they created this mindset, to be a good Christian is to be pro-US and anti-abortion. And that became um, kind of the um, defining aspect and, and to be fair, the reason I, I, I cut Jerry some slack 
is that the primary uh, mentality prior to that was that Christians should ignore politics. They should ignore mm-hmm. civil society. They should just be set up in their own insular world. Mm-hmm. And so he saw that that, and I think he had a generous impulse. It's like, no, that's not right. We can't like be indifferent to what's happening in our world. We need to be engaged, which at a very high level, I agree with him. At every other level since then, I have great difficulty. But it's worth understanding that. And this created a mindset. And the funny thing was, this was one of the few uh, things that united, let's call them conservative Christians, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and a certain mindset across all sorts of other denominational differences, including, and we have to give Falwell credit for this, Protestants and Catholics. For most of America's history, um, you know, and there's been different versions of this, so it's not quite monolithic, but, you know, the idea of a wasp majority, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, was identified with being American. And what, you know, the Reagan-Falwell milieu did is it broke that um, highly ethnic, highly sectarian view and created this much more expansive digger tent, as Reagan liked to say it, where um, by focusing on you know, a small number of wedge issues, they did bring some blue dog Democrats in the Republican fold, and they also de-emphasized other parochial lines. And this became so powerful that in my analysis, um, it has swamped out almost all other social considerations for conservative Christians. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it almost, it's at such a fundamental point of identity that if a candidate, and so that to me is how I, and that's why I wanted to put back on the thing about Trump being a hypocrite or a opportunist, is that from an external perspective, looking purely at the facts, Trump has displayed a seemingly irrational devotion to those principles, right? When, there's, when a lot of rational political calculation would have strongly suggested that you abandon those principles, that you don't try to build a wall, that you don't try to pick a fight on these issues around Muslims or gays or guns or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, Trump has ignored the political calculation and acted in accord with those values. And, you know, even though it chills my heart, I can understand why there are many people who find that admirable. Because it is so rare to find someone who, when push comes to shove, does not sacrifice their stated principles uh, for either rational political calculation or... uh, um, what's the right word, or um, impulsive accommodation. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one has ever accused Trump of being an accommodationist. Mm-hmm. And there is a certain point, and, and I think it's important to realize, anyway, so that's why I wanted to, I hate to feel like I'm the one defending Trump. Mm-hmm. God knows he has a lot to answer for, but you need to give the devil his due. Yes. Uh, um, and you need to be going, honest with yourself about why you really hate him. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, 
truth is, I, I am opposed to a lot of the issues that they touch on. Like, uh, you know, let's pick one: uh, abortion uh, or the right. Uh, what is it, the right to life? Um, right to life. That they yeah. use. If you care for life so much, why don't you? Uh, why are you such? Uh, or the Republican Party, you the conservatives. Why are they such? Um, right. So let's be clear. Welfare. And so again, let's be fair. There's two kinds of right to lifers. There are people who really are just anti-abortion. They want to get rid of abortion, right? There's another group, which is genuinely who genuinely believe, rightly or wrongly, that. Uh, and that's right. In the anti-abortion camp, there's a lot of people who are really in the female subjugation camp. No question about that. Okay. But there's another group, um, walking by their office right now, who genuinely believe, uh, you know, rightly or wrongly, that a fetus is alive, is as deserving of legal protection as slaves were before the Civil War. And there's, and there are a few people, not very many. Uh, but there is a group that is, which would, 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 would they describe themselves as consistently pro-life. They're opposed to abortion. They're opposed to the death penalty. Right? And so mm-hmm. it's fair to say people have certain meanings of the word. And, some of, and those three groups are sort of united under this label. But people within that label mean different things by it. And that's just an artifact of language. Right? For mm-hmm. example, pro-choice is a rallying label on the left. And there are some mm-hmm. people who just really believe that people should not be, they don't want men imposing their decisions on women. Absolutely. Exactly. There are other people mm-hmm. who absolutely believe that abortion is a positive good. And they actually want there to be more abortion. There mm-hmm. are others like Hillary Clinton who believe abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's a variety of different things. And, so, you know, they all agree on this label. But, you know, you could say, well, if you're pro-choice, shouldn't you be in favor of the, of the fetus having a choice to live? I mean, well, let's probably say men. Okay, fair enough. Let's use that. Let's be honest. That's, that's, so let's, let's, be, let's be generous in understanding why people use different labels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to me, that, you know, there's a lot of uh, dishonesty in, in that. That's what I see. And, right, so, and, so uh, if we're going to talk about honesty, Ernest. No, no. Well, I'm not talking about honesty. I'm just that's what I what that's what I see. Except for example, the you know, okay, uh, Ronald said, you know, uh, yes, this Obama's last year of uh, his you know presidency. We have to wait until next until the next president so that you can uh, put a, a justice in the Supreme Court. Okay, and a lot of them said, yeah, this is the way it should be. You cannot. You know, even though people when people vote for a president, they vote for four years, not three. But you know, the bottle was okay, three years. Yeah, right. So, so again, there is a social norm, mm-hmm. right, of decorum. So, for example, yes, I agree that, and the problem is, right, is generally speaking, and it, I, I wish it wasn't true. But this is almost always true. Wars are won by those who ignore the social norms that those in power have imposed. Mm-hmm. I mean, the American Revolution, which we talked about as a positive example, there are all sorts of norms of warfare that you march out in front, that you don't attack on Christmas. Like all these things 
the British observed, and the Americans said, hey, as part of our revolt against your systems, we are also rejecting your norms because those norms just happen to really favor you. I think it was Voltaire who said, um, or maybe Victor Hugo, that the, the law in its marvelous equality forbids both the rich and poor from stealing bread and sleeping under bridges. Right, so it's fine to say, you know, and like, you know, another social norm that I find hilarious is that when Obama was elected and conservatives said, well, he's not my president, they were accused quite violently and horrifically of being racist. But when Trump was elected, uh, when people, when many Democrats said, well, he's not my president, those same, that same community celebrated them. And so it's like, okay, you claim it's about a principle, but really, mm -hmm. it's about your preference. It's about, well, it's about my preference, yes, but also principle, also uh, being... Okay, you know, so I, Ernest, you know, Ernest, Ernest, my yes. friend, this is where we get to the rub of the meeting. Mm -hmm. What are your principles? That you are uh, actually, and, here's the, here's the, and here's the important point, Ernest. I agree with you that I despise hypocrisy, okay? And the thing I despise most is those who preach principles that they want others to follow, but when push comes to shove, they violate for themselves. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So as to my initial question, Ernest, mm -hmm. why, oh, why did you post this article on Facebook? I... um. It, well, uh, to give you more context, after I wrote the article, I had a, like a nervous uh, breakdown, and, I th and that's why I had to, uh, you know, postpone the last uh, uh, cast because, uh, yeah, I was emo emotionally, I was a wreck, and it, just uh, from seeing all those things and having written the article that morning, I, I took a shower and then I started crying, so uh, you know, I had to speak with my case worker and you know she helped me calm down but seriously like an anxiety attack so and then uh, when i was reading the article which uh you know, everything comes together so facebook you know is this big entity who uh, you know is doing um making a lot of money you know by using people's data you know do it to uh you know, just get more power in everything, in communications, in advertising, whatever. So, uh, so I love. Moving uh, so, the audio. Sorry, no, I just lost uh, that last sentence. Can you hear me now? Last minute. I can hear you now. Can you hear? Okay. So I was confronted with Facebook's um, new experience. So they have a new interface. Uh, it's kind of it's darker, and you know the way that you use it is is different. But it also means that uh, it's, it's they're imposing an alpha grade interface on people. It's alpha because I lost the first draft of this article. I lost it because of, uh, the UI that is kind of broken. It's, it doesn't work well. So with that, so uh, this uh, company Facebook just uh, does things that doesn't seem to care for uh... right so i totally so sorry we have talked about endlessly 
how awful Facebook is and how it stands for pretty much everything we despise about big tech and capitalism and hypocrisy. So I'm sorry if I missed it when you said it when I was when the audio cut out. Why then did you post your first real public manifesto on Facebook? Because Facebook is the only place to do it. Like yes, I wish to uh, do it in, a, in another community and have the same like the same reach. Not that I have a whole bunch of an audience, but I have Twitter, I have Tumblr, I have LinkedIn, but the largest audience. The fr- my friends, the people that know me, is on freaking Facebook. I have no okay, choice. Okay, so what you're saying that. is that okay. So what you're saying is that your goal of getting attention to your post mm-hmm. is more important than your principle of uh, dethroning Facebook. Exactly. Yeah. The, yeah. My principle of not dealing with Facebook. Okay. I had to break it because I needed this article to be to be out there. Yes. Why? Uh, at that point, I was, uh, I, I cannot explain it. I just, I have to. So let's be honest. Okay, so Ernest, mm-hmm. I'm going to introduce a new word into our conversation and then this note. That's great. Again? Uh, I'm going to introduce a new word into our conversation as we wrap mm-hmm. this up. Okay, and okay. that word is grace. Grace. Mm-hmm. Grace. In particular, we have talked a lot about principles. How important it is to have principles and stand by them and act on them. But the reality is, oftentimes, we end up acting in ways that violate our principles. And and I thought, I appreciate your honesty. We don't know why. And Mm. I have grace for that. Mm. I'm not going to call you a hypocrite. I'm not going to say your principles are useless. I believe you do truly hold those principles. But the reality is, is that there's something deep within you that was more important than those principles at that point in time. And I'm, you know, very sad about your nervous breakdown. I think, you know, and I am glad that you're better now. We can have this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think that is actually something uh, we can talk about next week, which is, you know, it's important to have principles. It's important to have values. It's important to have beliefs. But the reality is there's something deeper than all of that, which drives our behavior. So we have a really hard time articulating. And until we can figure out what that is, we're probably not going to make a lot of progress on actually spreading these principles. Yeah, and, and yeah, um, uh, one point is that uh, I see that people hide so much, right? They, they you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm and more transparent doesn't work. Sometimes people are put off, and but I'm like, well, the way a society should be, you know, we should have these fables junior uh, spouting their ideas that you know people shouldn't touch, people shouldn't have sex outside marriage when he himself and his wife are doing that. Well, we shouldn't have people, but, 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 but and we'd like to live in a world where earnest, like us, don't spout one set of principles in our rational mode and live out a different set of principles when we're upset. I would like to live in yeah. that world, too. I'm not there yet. <laughs> right? And so I say that's actually the hard problem, is that on yes. the one hand, we want to be authentic. We want to be honest about what we need and want and desire and fear. 
On the other hand, we also want to live in a world where you know people are following pro-social behavior and being held accountable to it. And you know that's a really, really hard problem, even for us individually, much less in designing a brave new world that works better than this one. And I think that is actually what we're going to be talking on in season two, is how do we individually do that? And how do we help society do that? <laughs> and um, I think this will get in very closely to the question that we raised at the end of last session about, you know, we can talk about all these things. Where does religion fit into this? Where does belief fit into this? Where does deity fit into this? And the answers are not simple because they may not even be the right questions. And if you can figure out what the right questions are that works for us, um, we might actually discover something profound that'll work for other people. And that's what we're looking forward to next time. All right? All right. Thank you, Ernest. Thank you, Ernest. And for the record, I am proud of you that you took the plunge and decided to be authentic and share this article, which I'll link to from this. Uh, again, I'll probably ask you got the title for people in our feed so they know what they're getting into. Uh, but otherwise, because um, I think we have to start there with authenticity, with observing how we actually act, and then figure out, okay, if the way we act isn't aligning with our values, how do we get to a place where they are converging? And uh, we'll start here and go from there. All right? All right. All right. Be well. Talk to you next week. Same to you. Bye. Bye. Thank mm -hmm. you.